0: Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage.
1: Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on Tightrope. I'm Alan, And I'm Katie. And we're still married. Today we're joined by Mary and Dave Gravett. We're very excited to have you. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi. Thank you.
1: Welcome. (laughs) This is awesome. Dave and Mary... uh, uh, I say this each time we interview um, most people. A few of the interviews, we've known the people a little bit better. But this is probably – take this as a badge of honor. This is the most blind we've walked into an interview. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. You can sabotage the whole thing. And they're actually probably – they're apologists in disguise – trying to hold back, right? Is that, I think that's what's going on. That
0: would be bad.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're excited to have you. Tell us where you live currently and a little bit about your family. So we live in Mesquite, Nevada. We have lived here for five years.
2: Oh, actually six years in Mesquite and seven years in Nevada. And so we're, in so the we heat, we lake. both came from cooler places. <laughs> I grew up in Flagstaff, and um, he grew up kind of all over the Pacific Northwest. So we actually don't we don't like the heat in Nevada. <laughs>
0: uh, how much money have you made while you've been in Mesquite gambling? Oh,
3: <laughs> I was like, that's a very personal question. <laughs> oh, you meant you meant gambling? I said um,
0: gambling. Three
3: hundred dollars. Yeah, yes, we um, went and- We played
0: So, let's average that over seven years.
3: (laughs) Right. No, no. It it was one game. We played twice and twice? Maybe three times. Three times. times. And the third time we played, we won $300 and we've never been back. Right. Oh, smart. Walk away. Take that,
1: gambling institutions. Right. Right. Exactly. Take the money run. And that's non-tithingable earnings. (laughs) Right? We did not not pay tithing on that. We did win win. (laughs) That's what I always learned growing up is you don't that you don't pay tithing on anyway. that's on it. gambled money. That was probably in a- no, no. That's true.
0: That's, that's got to be like a right along with like the no face cards in the home. Yeah,
1: it's got to be on right. A- <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but we digest. Yeah, let's get back to so. Okay, so great. So where are you from? A sta- Flagstaff, and then Dave, you're from the
3: Washington State mainly, eastern yeah. western. We bounced around.
1: Great. Tell us briefly about your. Uh, your upbringing and and up to that moment that you guys met I'm sure okay. you met at the same college not rivals whatsoever or anything like that
3: <laughs> that's we'll get to that um so I'll start I uh born uh born in the church uh my uh my mom is a lifelong member my dad uh joined the church in the service pretty standard LDS upbringing I would say baptized when I was eight Checked all the boxes all the way through, went on a mission at 19, and uh, got back, uh, did an undergraduate at uh, Brigham Young University, uh, studied history, and then um, went to law school at the University of Utah, and uh, that's uh, when I met Mary.
0: So tell me, nice. um, Dave, your dad was a convert, you said, right? He joined. He was in the service. So... I mean, I'm sure you've been around lots of LDS people growing up. Was there anything unique or different that your dad brought to your home that would have been different than a non-traditional home? I don't, I mean, I don't
3: think so. Definitely there were stories. Like uh, one of his favorite stories to tell was that when he first joined the church, he had no concept of keeping the Sabbath day holy, so he would come to church with a surfboard in, on top of his car and a wet board, a wetsuit in the back seat <laughs> go to sacrament, and then he'd suit up and head out to the waves. Um, and uh, finally, somebody told him you weren't supposed to do that. Uh, so you know there were stories like that. He told a story about um, he spent a lot of time in the South Pacific um, in the service and he met a Catholic priest who was a super, super cool dude. Um, his family, uh, were not members. And so we would go and spend time with them and it would be, uh, moderate amounts of alcohol imbibed and, uh, some, a few PG 13 swear words, uh, <laughs> um, his mom, my grandma, uh, uh, well, both of them actually, my grandma and grandpa were, devout atheists is that the word for it they were strong atheists they were adamant wow. in atheism, and so that was that always made for some interesting visits I remember my grandma was allowed to call me on my mission because she was dying she was always dying but they didn't know that in the mission office anyway <laughs> so, um, she told me um, that the best thing I could do my, on my mission was learn about the culture and then come back and and get a good education so that was kind of her take on the church they were very opposed to the church early after my dad joined um, and uh, sort of softened up over time as they saw, I think that his kids turned out. Okay. I think we turned out okay. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be actually like a really interesting thing to have your dad go from an atheist home to like a fully believing in God and Jesus Christ, very devout Mormon family. That's a huge shift for him.
3: It, you know, I, his his story is very interesting, and I think that was made more interesting by the fact that my mom came from pioneer stock. Uh, her her mom, my my maternal grandma, was a, a Baptist and joined the Mormon Church, but her dad, you know, he can trace his genealogy back to. Kirtland oh, yeah. and Nauvoo and whatnot so yeah it was a it was an interesting mix I it didn't seem odd to me because it was and I don't think it really was that odd but uh, it's the only life you know I've ever known yeah um, so in general I would say there were some aspects of our upbringing that was very strict um, LDS and then others that were You know, I don't know what strict and lax, but you know, it's just sort of it was an interesting mix because my mom came from that her background, which was Baptist, devout Baptist, and then Mormon, and then Pioneer Mormon, and then my dad from really no religious background at all.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. All right, Mary, what about you? Take us through um, a little bit of you and how you grew up, and then um, take us to where you and your husband met. Okay, so. I'm one of eight children in my family.
2: My mom um, felt very strongly she was to have eight children. You know that.
1: From the beginning, that was her. (laughs) She did it.
2: She just knew it and she went for it. So, you know, one of a big group of kids and we, I grew up mostly in Flagstaff. Um, I moved there when I was six. So um, it's kind of a liberal town Mm -hmm. and so our family is a very strange mix of liberal and conservative ideology because my parents like many arizonans are very into guns and you know they're very into their conservative rights um but then they're also like really into recycling and like taking care (laughs) of the earth and it's like it's kind of a funny mix
1: pick up your these things and recycle <laughs>
2: right, exactly. Like I said I was toward the younger end and I feel like my parents were they were kind of more strict and very like that very dogmatic Mormon parent, you know, at the beginning with their older kids and then they really relaxed and were like a delight for me and my younger sister. <laughs> and then I went to BYU. I always wanted to go on a mission and so that first year, well no, two years at BYU. I um, just went and did classes, and um, but the whole time I was ready to go on my mission. You know, I was preparing for that, and then um, came home to Flagstaff and got ready and went on my mission. I went to Nauvoo to the Visitor Center, which was awesome. Wow. Then came back to BYU, and I was like, okay, now it's time to get married, right? Didn't find Dave until after we'd both graduated. It was like that I graduated or the month after I graduated, I came back um, from Christmas break to BYU and like no one was back yet. And a guy in my ward was like, you've got to come play games with me and some people. And he was the very good high school friend of Dave. And so we met playing risk.
3: (laughs) And we don't Um, usually tell people that because that's kind of embarrassing. kind of embarrassing kind of a point of pride it depends on who you're talking to
0: it's a little that's <laughs> that's embarrassing um the question is who won risk and how long did it take did it finish yeah oh. we spent about six hours yeah playing that game he was out before i was
2: but he gave me the advice that i should have yeah you were it was yeah. down to, yes it was down to me and jason yeah. <laughs> you remember this quite clearly
3: let's just move
2: on and (laughs) you have to go after jason first thing or he'll win and it's true jason won he always dang it jason
1: where is he now no matter. he's
0: still our really (laughs) good
2: friend friend.
1: oh good (laughs) it does matter so
0: mary i actually have a question for you um tell me something that was unique or really interesting about your service in Nauvoo. Because um, I think that that is a unique experience in in and of itself. But also, I think that I've never been there and Alan hasn't either. And so, anyway, tell tell us about that.
2: One thing is that
0: I got to go to the temple temple
2: as often as I wanted to. As as long as I had a companion to go with me. We lived in houses of like, um, one house had... Ten sisters all together in it, and then another had six. Then there were some sisters living in Carthage, and as long as I had one of those sisters who was willing to go with me, and we were not assigned to be in the visitor center during those certain times, I could go. There was no proselyting in Nauvoo, and so there was a lot of downtime. When I was first endowed, I was not totally comfortable with um, all that goes on in the temple, and I decided I'm going to make myself comfortable. I'm going to keep going back and I'm going to do this until I think this is comfortable for me. And so I loved that I was able to go so often on my mission and I love the Nauvoo temple. It's just gorgeous. And it really is like my home temple. (laughs) Um, But Nauvoo was so interesting. Like we got to actually have pioneer dresses made for us and we got to serve in the historic sites and give tours. But then we also got to be in the visitor center and, um, you know, bear our testimonies as we're showing videos of the prophets, And, uh,
0: it was just really great experience. I loved it. That's cool. That is cool. I'm, I'm, I think we'll revisit this cause I, I want to get to some of the story because I think that it'd be an interesting perspective of you serving in navio and your husband's going through a faith transition so anyway so let's let's we'll get to that but um dave why don't you take us through when did you get married what year did you get married and um a little bit through like your beginning years of marriage
3: okay so as uh, mary said we met in the winter of oh boy this is
2: It was January, 2009.
3: January, 2009. (laughs) um, We met on the 2nd of January, 2009, the 3rd of January, 2009. (laughs) And um, it was just, and we don't need to belabor this. This is a, this is a, marriage on a tightrope podcast, not a, how did you guys get together <laughs> podcast? So I won't belabor the point, but
0: no. Oh, now you got to do it. We tell love us, it. We'll yeah. get to
3: the tightrope. We'll yeah. get there. So so I'll just tell one story that I think captures what Mary brings to the marriage for me. So I like everybody, like after that game, Matt, I was like, Oh, I, I, I want to get to know this girl. And several of my friends were like, dude, She's just gonna no. She's way out of your league. Uh But uh I persisted, and I asked her on a date, and she agreed to go. And I told her we were gonna go sledding. Now, are you guys familiar with Provo? Did I oh, yeah. go to BYU?
1: Yep, we both did. Okay.
3: Okay, so um, you know that um, you can go sledding kind of in town. There's a couple of parks with, with decent-sized hills, yeah. but I had never done that, and I graduated from high school in Utah, so I kind of knew the mountains a bit. So in my mind, when I said we're going sledding, I meant we're going to take some snowshoes and hike up to the side <laughs> of a mountain and and, and, and do some right. sledding. Mary um figured we would go to a hill in a neighborhood nearby so she was wearing like and this was thoughtless me I didn't even look she was wearing like tennis shoes I think like low-rise tennis shoes so we get up there and there's like a foot and a half of snow and I still don't notice and she's just trucking along and we get up there and I look down and it is clear that I think she's in the early stages of frostbite down there No, <laughs> she no word and she's just having a great time and laughing and and uh it so was a good time so uh, anyway so that's i mean she invariably finds the positive about everything and doesn't um she's not a whiner and anyway so that was uh, after that date i was like man i think i want to marry this girl (laughs) wow Uh, so anyway so we get married in august of 2009. Uh, i'm a second year law student at that point and she is a first year master student so we lived uh, in south jordan in her auntie's basement um and oh man there's some stories we could tell about that but um <laughs> and i would take the train north and she would take the bus south because i was
0: going to byu right you and i was your damn master's there yeah you right
3: yeah i went to the university of utah law school um and course, so
0: tell lovers
3: yeah we, <laughs> like uh the sharks and jets or something like that <laughs> um true. so anyway um and uh, we uh, did that for two years. And then that was, I graduated mm-hmm. in um, June, April of 2011. And as you guys will recall, nobody was hiring anybody at that point.
0: Yeah. yeah,
3: So I found a posting for a job in a place called Pahrump, Nevada, and I was applying everywhere. Like I applied for jobs in the South Pacific in like Alaska and the judge called me and offered me the job. And um, so I, Went down there. We basically moved down there sight unseen. And it was it was kinda like Mad Max Thunderdome. Um just like a <laughs> post apocalyptic wasteland.
2: Perump is not a pleasant place. Let's just leave it at that.
3: Yeah. So um I've never un-
2: even heard of Perump.
3: Neither yeah, have I. It's have you been to Vegas before? Yes. Okay, so if you're in Vegas and you look over at Mount Charleston, that's the biggest mountain there in the valley. West of
2: Vegas. Yeah, west okay. of Vegas.
3: It's just on the other side of that mountain.
2: And okay. it's where they have the brothels. So um, you're allowed to have brothels in Las Vegas, in Clark County. So it's like just over the county line. And yeah.
3: Yeah, says all you need to know. Anyway, we're not here to, this isn't a, a podcast about Pahrump. Um, <laughs> it'd be like a two episode podcast. If it was.
1: But anyway. Um, <laughs> Part two is going to be all about the brothels. We're going to ask <laughs> <the exact> <laughs> questions.
3: <laughs> A post-Mormon perspective. On no, that. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so anyway, um, so then um, we decided to have a kid because um, there was nothing to do in Pahrump.
2: <laughs> so that's why. <laughs>
3: um, and then around the same time, um, Mary said, uh, we need to get out of Pahrump or I'm going to explode. Um, and so I was doing the same thing, applying jobs anywhere, everywhere. And this Little job here in Mesquite came up, and I've always liked—I'd always liked driving through Mesquite, especially when I was on my way to Peru. I thought, oh, this could be a nice place, so I uh, went, and we've been in Mesquite For ever since. What One, kind
0: of law do you do?
3: Whatever pays. I <laughs> um, I do a—I uh, have a small contract with the municipality here to do prosecution, so I, I have a badge. Do a little bit of. Uh, you were supposed to be more impressed by that, but that's okay. <laughs> Law um, and
0: order. <laughs>
3: um, and then I do a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, family law, which is kind of a, a double speak for divorce law. Yeah. And then mainly s- basic business, civil litigation, contracts, torts, that kind of stuff. Great.
0: Gotcha. Great. Nice. So you're in Mesquite and you're happier, Mary, that you're in oh, Mesquite? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: He is a beautiful little town. It was settled by Mormons. There's lots of Mormons here. I'm sorry. Members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day oh. Saints. There are just some really good people here. They're, they take pride in the community. That's what I really feel like, um, is the biggest thing is like they have community events. They keep it clean. Um, it's a great place. If it weren't for the heat of
0: nevada we would probably stay here forever
3: (laughs) right okay so
0: okay so mary tell us you know what your life is like there in mesquite and when do things start to take a turn i mean how how's your life in the church and and then yeah when do things start start changing
2: In the church, we just have like normal callings. It seems like Dave always got the young man's callings a lot. (laughs) Um, Because you're young. Done a little bit of everything, like teaching in Relief Society and in Sunday school, and a lot of choir callings, you know, leading the choir. And I haven't really done primary since we have kids. Since we had kids, which is kind of surprising. They, They can tell. <laughs> um and just yeah we generally have just had like a normal peaceful life. Dave hasn't for our whole marriage really hasn't really been the lead us to family prayer and family scripture study. Like I've usually been the one to bring that up each time, although lately he's been a lot more in, you know, bringing us to that. Actually, I think the his faith transition has, um, made him like maybe the more, you know, more into his faith person in our marriage, honestly, but
3: we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Here. Anyway. So,
2: um, but you know, we're just chugging along doing the normal thing in the church with, you know, our normal callings. And I understood that I was more invested in the church. I'm the one who's interested in going to the temple and usually Dave, would not. So I was used to going to the temple by myself, um, especially with kids. Like it's like one parent stays home and one parent goes. Mm. And we always have lived, except for when we lived in South Jordan, we've always lived um, about an hour away from the temple. So it's easier to go alone. So I, I just knew that there was like different levels of interest there and in various church things. But um, it wasn't until last fall, really, that things change. So I'll turn that time over to Dave. The to worm
3: turned that. as it was. Um, just to interject here, I think that uh, for me, from my perspective during this time, I was, I felt like I was giving it 110% because from my perspective, it, I had struggled with um, just the, the, the specific, I would say the specific truth claims of the church I I was doing it anyway. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, be in, um, I had always struggled with the temple. I went of course when I was endowed and when I was in Provo, I would go occasionally, but I never, it never really did anything for me. Uh, Well, we can get into that later, I guess. But, um, so from my perspective, I think I, I was, I was, I was giving it 110%, but where I didn't have that, uh, Fire in the belly—is that the word for it? Um, I didn't—I didn't have a, a belief in these truth claims, and so it was—it was hard to even give what I gave, and so I had been struggling for a long time with just feeling like as to this the for instance the book of mormon and some of the specific truth claims of the church i just didn't feel like it was plausible and i you know it felt like i had to make up all of these explanations for why this would happen and this would happen and this would happen and just to keep all of those plates spinning in the air it uh, was just it was kind of exhausting um and i decided uh that i would go to the temple because that's where you're supposed to go to get spiritual uh enlightenment. And it had been probably about a year since I had gone before. Um, And I just went one evening. And as I'm sitting there, I remember very clearly it was the point at which um, the female uh, uh, attendees are instructed to, to veil their faces. I just really felt like I needed, I needed to get out of there. It felt not just like it wasn't doing anything for me. I just felt really uncomfortable and like I, I just needed to go. Um, I didn't leave, which, whatever. Um, but I, I, that was when I started to really think. Well, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe it isn't um, something I can believe in. And a few months after that, or a few weeks after that, I, I started to think. Well, maybe none of this is true. Maybe, maybe this is all just something that we've, as humanity, have put together with our pattern-seeking brains. And I um, I was really thinking about that and, and, and praying um, and just not feeling any sort of light or knowledge as to the church being true or that it was a place where I was even supposed to be. And so it was in October, I think, or maybe early November, we were laying in bed one night um, and I said to Mary, I said, you know what, honey? I think I might be an atheist. She was pretty shook by that. Yeah. Um, imagine, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go back to their face. So,
0: so that was just—he turned over and says, <laughs> "Honey, I think I might be an atheist." Mary, what, well, what, what was, what's going on? With-
1: I want to interject one yeah. quick question. So now we've gotten to the tightrope. Yeah. Right? We've gotten to this. Yeah. The this is the most vulnerable part of sharing your story. As as how it. In that moment and moving onward, how you've been able to deal with everything. So the question I want to ask: that what makes you want to share this? What makes you want to hop on a Skype call with two people you don't know to broadcast your story? Like, is are you hoping? Yeah, I'll just I'll ask you, Mary. Are you hoping to get something personally out of it? Are you hoping to share this with others? Um, what are you hoping to get out of all this?
2: Um, I'm hoping to share our story because when I first heard this from Dave and then, and over many conversations later, I felt really alone and I felt just a lot of different emotions. And then I had a friend recommend your podcast to me mm-hmm. and it was like a lifeline. You know, It was just really, really good to not only, I mean, I knew I wasn't alone, but to just hear other people and just know that There are people who understand both of us. We're going through something that is, you know, not terrible. It's not horrible. Mm. This is not something that should be terribleized. You know, we are two people who love each other, who have a lot of things in common and one major difference, you know, I mean, there are other differences too, but they're really not important, you know? And so I, I, I gained a lot from listening to other people's stories. And so uh, the reason why I reached out to you is because I feel like I want to get back. You know, I, I want to be able to share that the terrible doesn't last forever.
3: Mm. Right. And I think we have, you know, we're new to this, I guess, relatively new, but I think we've found some things that work for us that maybe might uh, help others who are in the same the same boat
1: that is awesome, thank you for thank you. taking a second before we get back to the timeline um, to explain that uh, that's really feels great to hear and also uh, there 's people that will connect with your story in ways that they can 't connect with anyone else's and so just putting yourself out there is awesome it 's why mm. we do this, and it 's why i 'm so <laughs> vocal on Facebook is because. There's people out there that don't know that there's other people feeling this way. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah. All right. So he turns to you in bed.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> just the old like, oh, honey. By the way, so Mary, what what's going on? <laughs>
1: That's literally exactly how it came
3: out. Yeah. You
2: know? really? Oh wow. <laughs>
0: um, I was pretty
2: blindsided. Mm. Um, and I. I feel like I'm very uh short-tempered sometimes, but this was one instance where I just was like just quiet, you know, just listening. I feel like in um that's been like one of my biggest go-tos in going through all of this is if I'm not sure what to say, I should probably not say anything because <laughs> I don't want something bad, something that I can't take back to come out of my mouth. So, so I think that I just kind of yeah, listened
3: so, and... Yeah, you asked a few questions and we talked about it over the course of a few days, I think. I, I don't remember what you said, but I realized that, like, you were, like, falling down a precipice and, like...
0: It was scary.
3: And so I said, you know what? Never mind. Forget it. I, 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 that was crazy talk. JK.
0: <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, Just well. am
2: well, we I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I've done before and... You don't have to worry about this. Let's just pretend like this never happened. And
3: how long did that last? Um Till after till the, the beginning of the year. Right?
2: Yeah, it was like until January. So like from through November and December into the middle of January. Yeah. And we just never talked about it.
0: We just never so talked about it. November, so December of January of this year. Yeah. Wow. So just like
2: two and a half months of I'm thinking and thinking and stewing. And, and he is too, like this is his biggest crisis moment is through those couple of months because now he's like thinking, well, I now know I'm not supposed to be in this church, but I've got to stay in this church, you know? Right. And I mean, I don't want to be putting words in your mouth. That's true.
3: That's accurate.
2: And I am like just wondering like what is going to happen. Like we're not communicating about it. And so I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know like if he's going to go back to, you know, being an atheist. I'm like, honestly, I'm like, there's no going back on that. Like he is, we're just not talking about it. You know? (laughs) So, so we're just like tiptoeing around it. And, and I went into a depression Mm you know, it's, I, I have been through depression before, but this was one time where I was like, well, I'm really not in control of this. You know, I mean, you never really are, but it was like situational, but I had no control over the situation. And so it wasn't until Dave decided to make a change we actually started talking about it. And even though that meant that there were changes and we had to actually face the reality of what was happening, mm-hmm. I have been slowly coming out of that depression because we've actually been talking. We've we've been able to have that connection over a difficult topic, but at least it's connection, you know?
3: Right. So around the end of January, I said, basically, I can't, I can't keep doing this it it's painful to me for me to do these things that i not only do i not believe but i feel like aren't, aren't even right for me to be doing and that you know the kind of the everything along with the temple the garments and and um all of that so i said you know what i i think i need to I'm, i need to stop wearing these garments um i don't know what's going to come after that but it, it, i can't do this anymore and an interesting thing kind of happened for me. And I think I may be unique in this and we're still kind of in, in the middle of this, but once I was able to give up the things that I knew weren't true, or at least I'm sorry, that I, that felt to me weren't true. Um, it became a lot more, a lot more bearable even to, to go to church and to, to, uh, I don't want to say participate because I don't, I don't fully participate, but I, we go to church on Sunday. Um, and, um, the, uh, Mary, uh, still, uh, reads the book of Mormon with the kids. And when, when she's away, we read, um, she doesn't know this, but we read comic books. No, I'm just kidding. We read out of the Bible. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, and, and it's working. And I think, being able to give up the things that I didn't believe in opened a space for me to find things that I did believe in and that I do believe in that I'm, and that I'm working on now.
2: Yeah. He, Mm -hmm. when he talked to me in January said, if I can let go of these basic truth claims of the church that I don't believe in, then I feel like there's room for me to have faith in God and Jesus Christ again. Mm -hmm. And, and like, in one way that was like, kind of like a slap, you know, like, Okay, this feels like a rejection of me, which I know it's not. But it it was it was hard. It was a little hurtful. But at the same time I was like, okay, yes, I want you to have a relationship with God in Christ. I want you to do what you need to do to have a relationship with God in Christ. And so that was like my hope. Like, okay, then we're going to we're going to move forward with this. You're going to have a faith transition. And I'm going to support you in the things that you explore, so that you can
0: develop your faith
2: in God and Christ.
0: So, Dave, I want to know, and I think a lot of listeners um, would love to know because I, I think for Alan, especially, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do it, but it's been very difficult for Alan to have a relationship with, uh, with, with God and and Jesus Christ. It's it's because he's had kind of a soured experience. And um, so I would love to hear your thoughts on what that looks like for you.
3: Good question. A big part of it for me is I didn't come to this place by way of the kind of warts and bruises and ugly parts of the church's history. I mean, I know, I know that stuff's out there Mm -hmm. um, and I am aware of it and it is what it is, but I never had this moment of feeling like, Oh my gosh! I've been deceived this whole time. I think, and I think that that's been been good for me because I can say this is a set of beliefs that I, I was raised in that a lot of people believe that just uh, it doesn't work for me. To paraphrase a previous podcast, um, <laughs> so, and so I'm not um, I'm not angry at religion. It's I've just reached a point where. Um, these things don't work for me. And the second thing is that because I kind of came to my face crisis through the way I felt rather than than what, you know, again, rather than these um, secrets about the church that they weren't telling me, I still have this idea that I can rely on my my feelings to to lead me to truth so that that's one part of it. the second part of it is this i i think that for me spirituality has to be a part of my life it's kind of like for me it's like exercise i mean everybody says if you exercise you'll live longer i don't believe that i think i'll probably die whenever i'm gonna die but i exercise anyway because it's good for me and i think for me at least i have this feeling that spirituality it, for me to be a mentally and emotionally stable and happy person, it needs to be a part of my life in some way. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like five or 10 years from now. think it might involve... Some kind of participation in in an organized religion, just because that's easier than checking out a bunch of philosophy books from the library and going up into the mountains and sitting on a rock and reading them. That sounds nice too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it does sound nice. But um, (laughs) boy, when I put it like
0: that, no kids, no kids.
3: (laughs) So that's kind of that. That's one of the big ways that I'm approaching it is that I want to be happy, and I think that. I need to be spiritually exercised, for lack of a better phrase, in order to be happy. So that's that kind of why I'm choosing the route of faith, a faith experience post-Mormon. If, if I was in a position where I had the same sort of negative reactions to talks or reading about God or reading uh, in, in the Bible as I do about the Book of Mormon, or if I felt the same way reading the Bible as I, as I do when I read the book of Mormon, that, that wouldn't work for me. I'm not sure why I don't feel that way, but, um, I think I can still get some, some wisdom out of it. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Does that answer the question?
0: I I I think that does. I think, I mean, I think it doesn't matter. Um, I think it's just where, wherever you're at. And so, um, I I really like that answer, Mary. How how do you feel about all of this? There are still some times where I'm sad.
2: Uh, obviously, like it's not been very long <laughs> since this started. Yeah, yeah. Like short, yeah. Is definitely. I would liken it to a grieving process because there are parts of my marriage and my future life that I imagined and thought were givens, which shame on me for thinking that, <laughs> but you know, just, just things of I thought. And now it's never going to be that way. And so I have to process that. I have to grieve that. Um, and I know it hasn't been easy for Dave either. He's been going through a grieving process as well because, um, you know, his life is not how he thought it was going to be. And so we're both going through that. And I think we just have to give each other a lot of grace. You know, we just have to be understanding. So that's like the balance is like, sometimes I will express feelings of sadness. And that's hard for Dave to hear, you know, because it's like, I don't know. You did this to me. <laughs> yeah, okay, I just I didn't want to say you think that. Right. But, you know, it's like, it is a hard experience. Especially, well, not especially. We've told my family. We haven't told his yet.
3: And We've tried and they thought I was joking and so it didn't go well, but... Mm. He
2: tried <laughs> with one of his sisters. He's a big joker. He frequently will try to pull these elaborate... Pranks and convince people, and so I don't blame her for not believing him. Yeah, neat music. The boy, who, the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> yes.
3: no, that, that is me.
2: Because... That one experience turned him off from telling his family. <laughs>
3: right, maybe we'll send them a link to this episode, and that's how they can find out.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: maybe.
3: <laughs> uh, she
1: says. Maybe you
0: could share with them in their own in their own time, and when you get to it, Mary, what was your? How has your family been for you? Have they been supportive?
1: And do they know? You just you just started,
0: oh. you told their, you told your family.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: yeah, they know your side. No, okay.
2: Yeah, they've been pretty supportive. I've received some very bad advice from some individuals, mm. um, but for the most part, they have been very supportive, very loving. Um, it helps that of you know the eight of us children um several have left the church all, you know among my siblings
3: 4 of 8 right
2: and then two have come back right. or you know or like even one of them is back in the church but he has really varying levels of activity sure. so i think my family was very understanding because um not
3: their first rodeo
2: yeah
0: there's you yeah. weren't the first one to make the wave
3: Right, right, right. Whereas with my family, I will be the first one to be like, I mean, there have been other fam- family members who have lessened their activity at various times, but I'll be the first one to say,
1: hey, "Guys, I'm, I'm out." So, mm-hmm. and no, really, no concrete plans on when and how that's going to happen
3: soon. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: right. he <keeps> right. saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. No, I, did. I didn't make the first waves in my family. But I did make the first waves in Katie's, and so one has been more difficult than the other. Right. And just so you know, in not just in our case, but in the great majority of of cases that that of uh, people we've spoken to, it generally gets much better With over time. time. And the hardest part is the beginning.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's why I'm putting off that beginning. I know.
1: Can't you (laughs) skip to six months in? What's the deal? (laughs) Right. So so let me ask let me ask this question of kind of both of you at the same time. I'll ask you first, Mary. At any point during this, was there was there any attempt to pull the other person to their side? Of no, Dave, you can't do this. And then we'll we'll ask ask that question first. And if if the answer is no which visually I think I'm getting some indications of. (laughs) (laughs) This is an audio podcast. That's right. Why not?
0: Uh, I
2: think that that first few months of just total silence, but knowing Dave was not believing, but he was still doing all of the things.
3: I was the Sunday school president, and I was giving gospel doctrine lessons. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, Which is... We're in the New Testament year, so Mm. I was like, You could keep doing that. (laughs) I just knew that we were both in such pain. Mm. I would not want to try to pull him back into the church. Number one, I don't think I could do it. I couldn't, I can't make him believe what he won't and can't believe. And then number two, I just wouldn't want to cause him what I know is pain. I accepted for as long as I could him saying, nothing's going to change. You know, I accepted that time that he was still coming to the church uh, and he is still coming to church, but, um, once he said, I don't believe it was easier for us to just move forward from that point.
3: Right. And in one of our first conversations, we, we, uh, talked about, about this very thing. And I, I said, you know, I don't think our marriage could survive me trying to push you out of the church or you trying to pull me back in. And so from that, we kind of developed what we call our push, pull, push, pull rule. She doesn't try to pull me in and I don't try to push her out. Um, and, you know, there have been times when you know something crazy will come up in the news. It's been a crazy six months for Mormon news. Um,
1: yeah.
3: Or you know, you know, there have been times where either one of us could have reneged on that 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 agreement that we made, and we've I think done pretty well at resisting the urge.
2: Yeah, there have been times where I I've, I've been hurt by some of the things that the church has announced. I'm also pleasantly surprised by some too. Sure. So sure. there have been good things. But, um, and when I express my, my feelings about the church, if they're negative, then Dave is really supportive. Silent. Yes. Mostly just silent, <laughs> silent. <laughs> to be supportive.
1: Yeah. That's, that's awesome and yeah, difficult because is. you, you know, you hear them saying things that you have thought and felt and said, and you just want to jump on top and be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you know? And ooh, 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 did you know that also ooh, 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 ooh. and it that causes, you know, Mary and Katie in this in this case to shut down and
0: Yeah, I double down. I do. I I like then I then I feel like I have to defend, you know. And, and that has and happened
2: a couple of times with us. Sure. Of course. Here.
0: That I mean, that yeah. will absolutely happen. And it continues sometimes to happen. Um but Yeah, silence, I mean, that's a really (laughs) powerful tool to use, especially when you're allowing your spouse to express positive or negative emotion. For Mary, Mary, do you have a support system or a cheerleader or someone you can talk to or have you through the process? I've done a little bit of talking with my sisters,
2: some with a friend here, Mesquite. I don't have like my one go-to person Mm. except for Dave. Like he really is my best friend.
0: Yeah, of course. I feel like I'm,
2: I'm not really that critical of him. And so I don't really need someone aside to vent to that much Mm. about him.
3: Maybe more of a shoulder to cry on. would be.
2: Yeah, it's true because he really does get down when I'm feeling down. So I have not found like a
0: really good person to do that with. I think like everyone processes, process things differently, right? Some people, Mm -hmm. especially some people who are more introverted, you know, they can deal with some of these things on their own because they want to keep it to themselves. They're private people. Um, It's, it's easier for them. But I think the majority of people that I speak with really just need a a cheerleader, someone that will be positive and, you know, will listen with empathy and then say, you can do it. And I think everyone needs that. And I'm, and I hope that, that I'm open. You can text me anytime. I don't, I can't tell you how many women in my circle that we text and we're having a bad Sunday. I'll just text one of them randomly and they'll say, I'm sorry, that sucks. And you know, let's talk about it later. So anyway, open Wait, invitation.
1: Perfect. What did I what did I do?
0: Card, <laughs> they I I mean, you know, as you know as you know, you get through some of the thick of this, but then it comes in waves. You you'll you'll feel it crash crash on you when maybe when you tell Dave's family or maybe when closer friends and family or even in the outer rims of the circle start hearing your story, um, it'll it'll come in waves. So I really, I hope that for you because it's important to have someone. But until then, we will exchange numbers after so that you can text me. <laughs> Thank yeah. you.
1: Mary, you mentioned er- a little earlier that you've, even though you're, you're just a few months into this, you've already kind of found some things that are very helpful. I think you've already mentioned some of them, but
3: yeah.
1: what other things have you, have, the, have both of you found that have been helpful in this crazy Mm -hmm. journey. Mm
2: -hmm. One thing that is really helpful, like I said, is that I feel like we can still share a a big portion of our faith. Dave is still, you know, trying to um, develop and keep, I would say not develop, but keep his faith in God and Christ. And so that is nice he's talking about going to another church soon and so that's like probably one of those hurdles that I'm gonna have some hard times with that but I also I think it's I think it's positive um that we can both have that part of our lives that is our faith and so that that has been a help for me I know that's not going to be the same for everyone um but I think building on common ground is something that everyone can do. Um, if your common ground isn't religion, then it can be...
3: Find something.
2: Yes, for sure. It, you know, it can be, um, I don't want to say your children because you eventually your children grow up, but it can be, you know, sports, it can be getting out in nature. It can be music. You find common ground.
3: Right. Um, and- oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I'll go no, ahead. You, no, you, no, you. I was going to jump to the next thing. So yeah, go ready ahead. ready for that. One thing that I have really been working on. This isn't in the outline. Okay, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Is to be not only supportive but enthusiastic about what is going on for Mary in the church. Um, and I mean, there are some things that 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 I, I can't be enthusiastic about, but most of them I can they're at least from my perspective now, most of them are just from harmless in, in, you know, they're at least benign and I can be enthusiastic about those things. And if, you know, if she wants to go to the temple on a Thursday night, not only am I going to say, yeah, I can do that. I'll say, Hey, would you like to go to the temple this Thursday night? I can get out of work early. We'll make it happen. Um, Because it's important to her. And even though it isn't important to me, she is important to me. And so Um, I want to enthusiastically import the th- support. Excuse me, the things that are are important to her, and I and I hope that you know when the time comes to go to a new church, she'll do the same for me.
0: Yeah,
3: fingers
1: crossed. <laughs>
0: Is that anything else? Any any other things
1: oh,
2: that've been helpful? One big one. So when Dave was talking in January about changes, he talked about you know things he wanted to do, and then there were some changes that were made. Right away. Right away. Very quickly. That night. <laughs> I thought that there was still going to be a discussion period, you know, <laughs> and there was not, it was scary. It was a kind of a scary time. Even though I was, I was feeling more positive. We were talking more and I thought, okay, he can have this you know, faith. It was a time where I was also like the ground is shifting under my feet. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I actually developed anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't recognize it myself, but Dave was like, you have had an anxiety attack and we talked a lot about my fears Mm. and Dave offered to give me six months advance notice before any new changes, Mm. which is a long lead. He's a lawyer, so (laughs) we have also decided that that applies to me as well. So if you know, I decided to become a temple ordinance worker. It's not like I'm getting his permission. I'm just bringing it up well in advance so that we can both come to terms and adapt to what needs to happen. Or when he decides to join a new church, he's going to bring it up well in advance. We're going to, really I've already come to terms with it, but maybe that was a bad example. Well, I
3: think tithing is one that, uh, you know, I, 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 it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I think I would prefer that my half of our joint income um, go to something I really believe in and support, but I'm not going to rip, I mean, I, I make the lion's share of the income, but I couldn't do it without her. So anyway, I'm not going to pull that rug out from under you tonight. I'll give you a six month notice. So that's kind of the, and, and maybe there would be things that that wouldn't apply to, but I'm having a hard time Thinking of something that I would need to change now. Right. I'm going to come home and say I need a beer tonight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We didn't. I've never heard of kind of the 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 warning, the time the uh, the time range warning, which is, I mean, I like it. However, it can it works for you guys. Yeah. We Katie and I, our talk was more, hey, I'll let you know. I don't. There's a few things that I don't feel I need to do. But if it gets to a point where it's like, no, I, I'm i I'm done not doing this or I'm done doing that, uh, I'll let you know. And so the communications are open. And that's been a pretty good system for us. So I think you find something that works for you and yeah. go with
0: it. Uh, tell me, how old are your kids? They are six, four, and almost two. Okay, so have you put a time limit or have you talked about what – that future looks like with them. Our oldest
2: is very curious. And I think she got Dave's and his grandmother's doubting gene, as we call it. (laughs) And so we have talked through, we want to have discussions that are emphasizing that we are a family that is very open to other ideas. And we haven't told our kids yet about Dave's faith transition because his parents are our babysitters Mm. and we have to tell them first.
3: It's all tied together. Yeah. right. I I also want to have a clear picture of where I'm headed before we put them on the ship, so to speak. But yeah, we've, we've talked about what that conversation will look like with them. They're young enough that I don't, I think if they were teenagers and we were like, oh, hey, kids, dad doesn't believe anymore. Like, mm. <coughs> foundation's crumbling. Um, you imagine. I'm imagining, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe they would be like, right on, dad, I'm with you. I don't know. Um, yeah, we, need, we are going to have that conversation with them. And, and we want it to be a positive conversation. Like, hey, now you have options. I don't know. But um, we won't have the joke. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, we we have talked about what we're gonna say to our kids and how it's gonna work and more than anything else we want them to know that we love them. Mary has something that works for her, I'm going to have something that works for me, and we're all gonna work together is kind of how we wanna pitch it.
2: We have already talked to them about, you know, various actions that are prohibited by the church that we see people around us doing and and our daughter our oldest will bring them up in a negative way and i even though i fully support those things i want i emphasize to her you know that person is doing the best that they know and can and and we can still love them and we can still think that they're a great person i'm you know i'm laying that foundation so that when our religious paths diverge then I want our kids to love their dad and accept him no matter what and so we're working on that and vice
3: versa yep yeah
0: yeah I love that and it's hard to tell I think um I mean Alan and I we always like build up ourselves saying thinking it's gonna be like this big thing with our kids and then we talk to them and they're like "Mm -hmm." they're like "Mm no Okay. Cool. Dad. Cool. Mom. Like it's, it's I want to
3: TV just, again, come on.
0: I know. I know. Like, can I get back to the PS4? But, um, but honestly, yeah, I think that what you're doing is totally right. Laying the groundwork, talking to them now being open. Um, I think that that's all, that's all part of it. So it, it will only do good things in the future for you. We're hoping so. Well, is there anything else that we didn't ask or cover that you wanted to say? Yeah, bring
1: that outline back up. Yeah. I'm I'm doing
3: it right now, man. Good. (laughs) Tell the world. Yeah. One thing that I would add is that, uh, so in that January conversation, I ditched the, uh, so weird to talk about garments but i ditched them and then mary was really stressed out and depressed and crying and anxious so i over the
2: course of a few days right so i was yeah.
3: like oh never mind again and that made things even worse so i would say that yeah i did
1: <laughs> i did that too yeah
3: yeah waffling waffling on major life decisions is probably not useful for your spouse so right. um if if you for me i would have been better had i that gotten to a point where she was ready and I was ready and it was just a clean break. I think with these things, a clean break is better than a messy one.
2: It
3: is. We've learned that lesson and we're (laughs) moving forward uh, positively. Yeah. But uh,
1: thanks for having us on guys. No, of course. Katie, anything else from you?
0: I think I, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I think that the more people share the better you feel about your life really because you know, you're not alone one and two, you can, can connect with other opinions, other insights that you hadn't thought of before. And I think we gain so much more out of these than anyone else. Like for Alan and I, it's just so refreshing to hear um, other people tell their story. So I really appreciate you reaching out to us and, and doing this because, um, if it blesses no other lives it, it blessed us tonight and so thank you so much for doing that i just i feel really good um listening to everything you said and well, certainly you. lots of helpful lots of helpful things
3: yeah well and we really appreciate you guys i we know this is a labor hopefully a labor of love for you but certainly a lot of time and effort goes into it so we appreciate you and thanks for having us on
1: of course. Thank you. This has been Marriage on a Tightrope. Uh, follow us on our Facebook group and our Instagram. You already know what it is because it's just our podcast name. Uh, you can um, also email us at <laughs> marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com. And uh, to support the podcast, you can go to org. There's donate button midway down on the right. Thanks for listening. Dave and Mary, thank you so much. Have a good night.